0: Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Black and Power podcast. I'm Coco Brown and today I'm going to be talking with Mimi Finley. Mimi is the chair of the judges for the Alfred Fagan Award, the producer for Clean Break and a trustee for Theatre Uncut. Companies she's worked with include Tellawa, Fuel, National Theatre, Payne's Plough, China Plate Theatre and Creative Access, just to name a few. Mimi is an advocate for inclusive practice and donated the fee for this recording to Black Minds Matter UK. You can find more about them at blackmindsmatteruk.com. Okay, let's jump right in. This is black in Hi, Mimi. Hello. Thank you so much for coming and sharing some space and time with me. I really appreciate that. Um, to be here. To, to jump right in, I would love it if you could tell me what you do and why. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, at the moment I am a producer for a theatre company called Clean Break, um, which is based in North London and it's a touring theatre company that works with women who have experience of the criminal justice system. Uh, We also offer commissions and tools, so new writing plays. Um, Also, I work with an organisation called the Alfred Fagan Award, where I am the chair of their judges. So I sit on their selection committee to find um, a recipient each year for the best new play of the year. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, I do some work with a theatre company called Theatre Uncut, which is a political playwriting uh, prize giving award for, again, a new play, um, a political play. And they're also an international touring theatre company as well. And I also should mention that Alfred Fagan Award is uh, it offers a playwriting prize for a black British playwright. So it really kind of is one of the only ones of its kind in the uk
0: amazing
1: for artists of um african and caribbean heritage
0: and so why do you do what you do
1: well i mean uh, a i love it b you know this is kind of like what i've been doing since i was you know yeah. <laughs> teenager. and c because i feel like it is really important work I've had some moments um, when I was younger of kind of asking those questions of what is it? What is the point of this? Why do we do this? And, you know, like friends, I've spoken to friends about this as well in the past, but I always kind of arrive at the the place where I realise that what we do kind of enables us to bring questions into the social realm and conversation that might otherwise have no other place to be or thoughts and stories to be heard. Mm-hmm. So I think that the work that we do, um, and particularly as well in the theatre industry, enables us to make sure that conversations are able to be had, and that policies are able to be progressed, and that new like, problems that are, go unaddressed are able to be brought to light and brought into a mainstream space where the general public can become aware of them.
0: That's lovely um so thinking back then about when you first stepped into the theatre world what would you say your first job in theatre was that can be paid unpaid whatever you class as your first job
1: um well technically my first job in theatre was actually as an actor I kind of there, there are a few moments where I was like it was either an usher I worked front of house, so like in a cafe, bar, restaurant as, Mm -hmm. you know, like a waiter. But actually, before that, um, so unpaid, was as an actor.
0: Oh, wow. What job was it? Do you remember your role?
1: Yeah, it was like a community performance for, and it was at Her Majesty's Theatre, I think. And it was like a variety performance that we did. I (laughs) love that from my school and we trundled up on this bus and like had it was amazing like there were loads of us loads and loads of us like 50 plus like little performers um I think I was like sixth form age at that time and yeah we did like a a few performances down on the bus
0: yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah that was it that is amazing I love that for your first job um <laughs> and thinking about moving kind of forward into your career what experiences what kind of projects do you feel ha- have led you to what you do now um
1: um so there was a moment where uh, I was at university, so I trained, um, I did my master's in theatre directing at the University of Kent, it was like an undergraduate master's, which means that I did like my first three years of my BA and Mm -hmm. carried straight on to do one year of master's and I chose theatre directing and I was working with this incredible um, director who was also on my course and we really wanted to kind of like extend our work that we'd produced for our assessments beyond that realm so we wanted to kind of you know um, take it into the professional world if you will Mm. and um, we did that and so we kind of like we set up a little theatre company like a graduate theatre company and started touring our work we went to like London and Brighton and Canterbury which is actually where we originated from do you know what I mean and um, what was your name your theatre company's name oh my gosh it was it was Theatre Rio there may be remnants of this theatre company around still. But Amazing. Sure. <laughs> and it was because it was basically um, a physical theatre company that mm-hmm. took uh, Greek plays and reimagined them for the context we're in today. Mm. Um, and like that. we really enjoyed working together, and so we wanted to continue to work, to work together and we found that because we had to set up this theatre company just as us you know as directors what do we know sort of thing let's just do it um we had to do everything so we were producing we were the marketers we were the fundraisers we we
0: were the actors as well
1: (laughs) 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 genuinely we were the performers as well um and it just like it kind of got to a point where i was like i do like this producing thing let me see what happens with this and i ended up taking like an internship with Payne's Plough uh, so an administrative um internship that kind of gave me a really good insight into what producing um for theatre is about Mm. and through that the sort of trajectory of the jobs that I've had since then have kind of been leading towards producing Mm -hmm. and I've just stuck with it.
0: Yeah (laughs) I love that I also also, for um, I also think it's funny that I laughed at that when I have started to build a career on basically being the person who wrote the thing and is in the thing and produces the thing. But also that's what, you know, a lot of producers I've found, you know, have the experiences that have led them to doing what they do now and being producers is I just had to make something happen. And I guess, you know, somebody had to find that rehearsal space. Somebody had to do this and somebody had to perform in it and somebody had to direct it, you know um that sort of that vibe of well somebody has to do it that's exactly
1: it and we just we just knew that we wanted to do the thing so we were like well we'll just do it and like there was a moment where because we had other jobs you know so mm-hmm. you sort of staying up till two and three in the morning to like write a funding application <laughs> and like trying to get rights for this so we did um a version of IAX, which is about uh this this guy who kind of goes crazy through um a series of events you know as, as it usually is in, in Greek tragedy plays but um he uh so this play the translation we wanted to use um was from a writer in America and a publisher in America and so in order for me to like make sure I could actually converse with them have a conversation with them get paperwork to them and stuff mm-hmm. I had to stay up late so that I could make sure I because I couldn't like you know do it the other end of the day yeah you there had to work like, on their and time and literally working through the night yeah and you just did it because you were like well we just want to make this thing happen <laughs> so you just
0: and then, do it have you found that that sort of we just do it or we just did it and you know if we don't do it who's going to do it um ha- has that sort of thought process stuck with you now in what you're doing or do you feel like um you know actually no you know we've got so many have so much access to things and and now that I'm here you know we've got people to do it <laughs> I guess you know it's such a good question because has anything changed I guess is what I'm trying to ask
1: yeah yeah it's it's really really that's such a good question because so for example when I was doing my internship obviously I didn't really have a frame of reference about the professional world. Um, before that, or working from inside an Mm organisation. So to me, it seemed like, you know, everything's like, great, you know, make this happen, we always get, we're always able to do what we need to do, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I moved to an organisation, so the the National Theatre, and, um, you know, of course, it's kind of well-resourced, but it's all relative. So it's again, there you're sort of like, wow, it seems like if you want to make something happen, it's possible in this organization and then you know like so where I'm at at the moment we've been since that that moment at that time of working at the NT into now you see the kind of um the restriction in access to funds not just for freelancers but for organizations Mm -hmm. how it's been um everything's been getting cut back and cut back and made smaller and more contained Mm -hmm. and even though so clean break is a um an mpo organization so it's part of the arts council national portfolio Mm -hmm. um and that sort of suggests that there's enough resource to do what they need to do but that's not actually really the case as is for pretty much any organization i think Mm -hmm. that we're still we're all really squeezed and have been and really do need to kind of keep ensuring that we're finding these other avenues to, to raise money because it's what what we've been given is is not enough and it's been that way for a good long while um, through austerity so no i think you still have to kind of try and come at it from the mentality of if we want this thing to happen we mm-hmm. will find a way but you know we have to really try and be as creative as possible to make mm-hmm. make what we need to happen happen Yeah, I totally agree. You get a fully funded project, (laughs) but
0: it's not the norm. That's really nice, but it's not the norm. And even with the fully funded projects, there's all of the prep that has gone into it that's not funded. And, you know, like if I don't write that application to make this project happen, then who will? So I guess there's always that sense of, you know, I guess I'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly
1: it. Exactly it. And it's that, it is the passion that drives it, really that answers mm-hmm. it, like the reason this thing got made is because i really wanted it to happen yeah and that that's what it defaults to i think
0: and i think that is something that is so kind of specific to our industry because money is not something that you know is overflowing it's not something it's it's hard to access that it's not impossible but it's hard to access that um absolutely and yet yeah, and having having that like Like, I really want this thing to happen is the drive because it's not the money, is it? You know? so
1: Exactly. And I think in some ways you might say, if it were the other way around, that might not be the thing that makes it happen as well. Like you could have all the money in the world and actually if you don't have the will or there isn't a need for it, it might not happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's just Um, a nice bonus.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it is absolutely a nice bonus. Like, I really want to get paid to make art, but like, unfortunately, I love it so much that I would probably do it for you know nothing really. I mean, don't we all do it for nothing at some
1: point? Yeah, that's where it becomes problematic because we know that there's so many people within this industry and beyond, you know, music Mm -hmm. and, and film and whatever who who have so much passion for the the thing that they're doing and the story they're telling that they will um allow themselves to forego being compensated for the work yeah. and the rules they're putting in and not to mention the craft and the talent and the, uh-huh. love, the shared knowledge and all these other things mm-hmm. just to make sure that it gets through which isn't right people should be paid appropriately well for all of that work but again you just think well you know this is what we've been living through isn't it and um, yeah. it's, not, it's not new it's been like this for a long long time but mm-hmm. um that we we certainly we we notice it a lot at the moment I think because we've been living through a decade plus you know um mm-hmm. of austerity
0: and I think I think there's something about the value of of art you know yeah. like as artists or um, audience members we value it because of what we get from it and how it makes us feel and the stories that it allows us to hear and, and experiences and all of those things. Yeah. And so that is, you know, a really huge value of art. And because we have value in that way, I think it's easy for us within this industry to, to allow the problematic thought process of, Oh, well, I'm getting value from these things. And therefore, yeah. you know, my, I don't, uh, I don't value my art in a monetary way, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's also a whole nother thing about thinking, you know, about like, what is your art worth when you are your art? And when your art is about, you know, you and your communities and yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's fascinating because you do like, when you go into these organisations, depending on where, where you're at in your career, or where you're at in your, the, the type of job role you've taken in these places, you might have certain expectations. And there comes a point where you're like, okay, well, I'm being held responsible for X, Y and Z out of this project. And some of those things might be budget lines that are to do with the people that we're employing. And so, you know, I have to think about what is a fair fee? What is an appropriate fee? Um, Is this person actually really getting paid a decent wage? Mm -hmm. And we have to share that accountability Mm -hmm. because if we don't then you know well we've seen what happens that you know you can you can put on a job reference thingy you know well but you'll get some experience out of doing this thing and you know you're like yeah yeah absolutely you will get experience and that's Mm -hmm. great but you do deserve to be yeah compensated properly for for
0: your hours for your talent for your craft all of those things for the time that you've spent getting to this point you know mm. and building up the art that you make and yeah and your craft exactly. um so thinking more about you and what you do right now is there anything that you really wish that you had known before you got here mm.
1: Do you know what? And I think, I feel like there are other people who are like me who possibly have the same thought. I wish I'd known a lot more about my community's history before I entered the theatre industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And by that, I mean Black British history. I I I wish it had been a module university or school or... I wish I'd been taken to see plays that were black-led, with black performers. Yep, I completely I mean, agree. Not just black designers and directors, but like black technical teams and stuff. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I I really wish that I had known the how do how do I put this. I guess the sort of it's it's kind of along those sort of um, the lines of empathy of how much you put into that of course I feel like we do share this a lot but the kind the empathy that you have for your colleagues and your peers across the industry about how mm-hmm. other people are doing because that is something that's constantly ticking over in my mind about how our people how like particularly this year I mean how are are people okay and when you can ask those questions and stuff but people don't always want to share and you just feel and it feels like um it just particularly in this moment that there's just nothing we can do about it like we're trying we are trying to do things but it's not enough and so it's that kind of feeling of we get to enjoy the work that we do sometimes (laughs) which is great but (laughs) underneath all of that often is that feeling of um that people might be suffering through it Mm -hmm. Um, and I just yeah I just wish that I'd known that that I think it's a lot more common than I think we know that now actually I think we're getting to know that a lot more now yeah but it's a lot more common than I think you you know sort of might feel like when you're first entering the industry that you see it from kind of um rose tinted spectacles a little bit (laughs) at that age I think
0: and I think yeah that 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 culture of care that is starting to build within you know with specifically thinking about art industries um that culture of care is starting to grow and to build and people are starting to go hey I don't want you to work in a dark room from 10 a.m to 10 p.m because that won't make you feel good and therefore you won't make good work and you know and it just impacts everything you know and people are starting to yeah I don't know I feel like people are starting to just care about each other a bit more yeah I mean
1: I should definitely hope so that's the thing it's sort it feels like it's part of the foundation of the industry you know that Mm -hmm. we it's about expression and self-expression and shared expression and all of those things um that you expect that that isn't just something that goes into the work that it's actually part of the culture of the industry um, but there is a disparity I think it's ongoing mm-hmm. and you know we're aware I think we're aware of it some of us more than others but it's very very hard I think to actually make happen the things you want to happen around the nice stuff like self-care and mm-hmm. really taking care of each other um, when we're already sort of not having enough resource to for example to put to put work on <laughs> as well.
0: can I ask in your current role or in any roles that you've had have you slash how do you create that that culture of care like you personally are there things that you do that you know um yeah work towards what we want our industry to look like Really thinking about that self-care and and community care aspect
1: Yeah absolutely I mean one of the things that is kind of really important to me is about just taking time to get to know each other so like when you if you're starting a project and you're all new to each other taking time to actually separate from the work so like whether that means like going to lunch together or having a cup of tea together or something Mm -hmm. getting to know each other as people and trying to access that kind of human level of interaction Mm -hmm. so feel like you are having a bad day you feel like you can say I'm having a bad day this is how I feel today because mm-hmm. that enables so in my role that enables me to a be able to identify that um but also to then be able to say okay here are some suggestions do you want to try any any of these things and that might even include hey this person needs to step away from the project a bit early today mm-hmm. Great and um, And you know, or putting in place those sort of those extra little things, like literally having a session a half hour session at the end of the day, um to say how you do today, how you felt today's going, how's everything else just to check yeah. in,
0: yeah, uh, check-ins are so important,
1: yeah,' so, and don't, so important cost anything, you know, just time, and it's yeah. really it's time well spent, you know, um, and I think also just continuing to show up and to be available to try and make yourself like particularly in talking about in those moments when you're in production mm-hmm. and you're getting through that, like those last few moments of rehearsal and you're moving into that horrible tech period <laughs> where yep, yep. it's long hours, it is long days, you know, being around of like, and like literally like, okay, so my role is as producer at the moment, and sometimes people are a little bit like, oh, but I don't want to bother you. I don't want to bother you. And I'm sort of trying to say, no, this is my job. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. I'm going to be here if you need me. I'm sitting in the corner. So, you know, I'm not looking at you. Just carry on with your work. But if you need me, I'm in the corner. <laughs> or give me a call or give me a I WhatsApp. Yeah. Because sometimes it isn't about everything being like going through a formal process. Is it sometimes it's just a... I need, I need a five minute chat. Like I've got this thing on my mind or, you know, um, oh my gosh, do you know, I I, I could really do with like a lemon and ginger tea right now. All right, I'm on Mm -hmm. it. I'll go around the corner. I'll get you one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No big deal. No big deal. So I think that's it. I think it's about presence and, um, taking time to get to know each other, but also just being kind to each other Mm -hmm. is that, that idea and that notion of compassion is such a sort of it can be really simple. It can be really complex, but I th- I believe it's more simple than it is complex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Lead with kindness and just go in. Be kind. Be mm-hmm. respectful to one, one another. You never always know what each other is feeling like or thinking mm-hmm. on a day basis. So just proceed with compassion. I think it goes a long way.
0: <laughs> I completely agree, and I love the phrase um, "do no harm." Yeah. That's Absolutely. you know, that's it. So I'm just trying to do no harm today, you know, and 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 then hopefully, you know, leave the world a little bit better than that's than right. how it was before. Um so I've been thinking a lot about leadership, which is why I, I wanna I wanted to kind of chat to you and talk to you about stuff. And I also know that that, that word that leader leadership, um they mean a lot of different things and it also can mean nothing to people and yeah. so I ask you this question with all that knowledge in my head um I'd love to know if you've ever felt like a leader if there's ever been a moment where you have felt like a leader mm. in whatever way that 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 word resonates or means to you
1: yeah that's really it's really interesting that one um Yes and no. I do feel like I have been thinking about this a lot recently myself and I feel like each and every one of us are leaders in one way or another. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily um, uh, demonstrated in what your job title is although obviously sometimes you know if you're specifically the leader of an organisation you, yeah. you have to do some of those things and have you know um, have an awareness of those aspects of your role mm-hmm. but re- really I think um if there are you know there are moments where I have felt like I've had to take the lead in something and they do go back to those mo- where you know the graduate theatre company mm-hmm. where to be honest with you at its kind of smallest point there were two of us and we were both leaders we were both leading it yeah, and at the same time, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, there have been moments where, you know, if you're, like, leading a conversation or leading a thought um, through a piece of work that you're doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you're holding the space or you're holding the project um, on paper, yeah, fine, leader. But I do believe that it's a completely shared or that it ought to be in that respect and that I do believe that everybody leads mm-hmm. in one way or another. Um, and then your personal life as well, that those things might,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> they shift and change, that sometimes I'm the leader, sometimes my partner's the leader.
0: Mm-hmm. To be
1: honest with you, um, it's usually me. But
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it it's works. just how it works. I mean, but also, I think anyone so who gets it. in a relationship with a producer... <laughs> they know they've got to know a little bit that, you know, project manager.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's cool. That's that's, you know, that's what and you find that flow, don't you? So mm-hmm. there are things and it's based on strengths and
0: weaknesses, um, I think. Um, so thinking about what you do now. What has surprised you most about your role or or previous roles that you've had within theatre um yeah what surprised you um
1: oh it's it's quite that's quite a difficult one because genuinely I don't get surprised by that much (laughs) okay I love that for you um and I think it's because I I I do a lot of listening. I do do a lot of listening. I don't really actually speak that
0: much. Well, thank <laughs> um, you for sharing your voice with us today.
1: Yeah, no, okay. i happy to. But <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of listening and observing. And something that I've noticed or observed, particularly across this year, um, is the notion that when you kind of reach these moments of crisis, and we were talking about leadership a couple of minutes ago, we look to our leaders to say to us, what do we do now? How we gets out of this? How do we sort this problem out? Um, and something that has like, I suppose, surprised me, has been the unbelievable effort of the collective spirit and energy and motivation to find a way to keep going Without the presence of leaders and accountables, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. saying we've got you, we're holding you. This is what we're going to do. This project is an example to me of how that is just the the surprise is not in the work happening. The surprise is in the fact that somebody recognised that this project should happen now. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Um and like for example with freelancers make theatre work and hashtag we make events. Yeah, shout out shout. Bit, Yeah, just such an incredible show of like collective collective like spirit, accountability, holding each other, knowing that you know there aren't necessarily the, the, the people that are supposed to be, that I don't know if this is a controversial comment or whatever, but there you go, that are supposed to be leading and helping have stepped away, stayed silent, taken a long time. In the meantime, people are suffering. People are literally losing their homes and in some cases their lives. You know, Um to see the kind of the, the sheer, the number of people um, coming together to make sure that something happens, something moves forward, there's a way to keep going, to keep working, um, has been a surprise, but a nice surprise. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, it is that kind of thing around leadership for me, um, I think, and it's and it's made me question a lot about what accountability actually is or what our understanding of it is in this moment and how we move forward together because I you know the same comment stands from before that I think it's shared Um, but it also has to be allowed to be shared if that makes sense Mm -hmm. So if you have gatekeepers who are choosing not to share that responsibility in that way to be able to kind of a share the benefits but also share the difficult times the difficult moments that could be really difficult and that could mean that some unfortunate things happen um when there could be there is another way to look at it and there is another way to come at this thing and I just think that in in the work that we do we are creative enough to be able to come up with some ideas about how to do that it's been demonstrated to us it has like through through freelancers make theatre work and all the rest of that yeah I do think that um in questioning the surprise about what's actually happened with the accountables and the leadership team, um, you know, across the industry where there've been failures and some successes. Mm -hmm. When is the moment when we, we really kind of get together and say, let's reimagine this model in a way that allows us to invest, but also to benefit together.
0: Do you think that, that model could look like in, in our dream world. Yeah, I mean, you have to just burn the thing, don't you?
1: <laughs> You've got to completely reimagine it. The yeah. hierarchy structure. And then, by the way, this whole idea of saying, yes, we know there's a hierarchy, but we're trying to access a different way of working. You're like, we'll do it, just do it. Because yeah. if you have power, you can redistribute your power without losing any as well by the way and you can share it you can share it and you can you can empower people and Uh I think by the way that's a sign of a true leader is somebody who's who believes their role is to empower everybody around them to upskill everyone around them to bring everyone on the journey with them rather than say me first you next you know yeah that's it So I think it's got to be like a, in the spirit of using coronavirus language, a flattening
0: of the curve, if you like. (laughs) Thank you for that. We've got a great coronavirus um, phrase. Thank you so much. Um, Can I actually say, though, um, or something I just I just want to put into the world is um, somebody who I think is doing that, that Mm -hmm. thing really well in within the arts within our industry is uh Lynette Linton oh yeah um as you were talking just literally just like Bush Theatre Bush Theatre Lynette just kept kind of coming into my head because that's what needs to happen you know and I don't think you know I can't speak on behalf of Lynette but I don't think that that, you know she walked in there being like I'm going to change the world and blah 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 blah. and maybe she did and that's also fine because she's <laughs> nailing it but you know it, it just it doesn't it doesn't seem forced is what I'm getting at it doesn't seem like she forced it she just sort of came in and was like this is just how it should be done though no? yeah um, yeah
1: yeah so I, I think a really great I'm so grateful. I'm so that was such a great day when the announcement was made about her yeah getting- Role, it it just that you know, you have those moments where (laughs) the black community, if you want to say that, whatever (laughs) those moments that pop up, and we just collectively share that joy that we're like, Oh my god, oh my god, yes, yes, this is this is yes, so it's so it's a it's a such a huge moment because what it represents Mm -hmm. is being able to take that next step towards just creating a more fair society. Do you know what I mean?
0: Huge, it's huge, and we all got to share in that joy,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, sorry, I was just going to say. And then she's gone in there and she's like, exactly, like, nailed it, she's absolutely smashing the thing. So it's just so refreshing, and yeah,
0: makes you emotional Uh, when you think about it, you know. (laughs) And and because she makes it look so easy, yes, it's like, (laughs) how are you people at the top of other buildings that I shall not name, you Mm -hmm. know? just dragging your feet and like oh you know we're we're doing anti this and you know unconscious mm-hmm. that and blah 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 and and you just kind of flash your eyes over to the bush theater and you're like oh my gosh they they just make it look so easy like
1: mm-hmm. it looks like
0: they're doing it in their sleep like it's mm-hmm. second nature and it's like you know that's what that's what we need so mm-hmm. let's burn it down and just yeah put a <laughs> bunch of lynettes and 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 yeah I
1: mean Roy exactly That just like absolutely doing a little clap for him yeah. again that's another one that you're like well
0: okay then
1: <laughs> what a nice that actually do you know what that was a surprise because I just didn't I didn't know that he was going to be going yeah. for that sort of thing do you know what I mean and mm-hmm. you you sort of like wow I didn't expect that that might happen but when it came I was like well, all right, I'm I'm, I'm chuffed. I'm really I, chuffed. Yeah. And it's great. It is just, those moments are so, um, they're still fairly rare, aren't they? But when they happen, it means a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it gives you a look into that future that, you know, genuinely would be so much better for everybody involved, I think. I, <laughs> maybe
0: yeah, maybe. I completely agree. <laughs> burn it down let's let's burn it to the ground it's my sort of vibe right like like unashamedly I'm like burn it to the ground and let's start again um Mm. so speaking of of Roy and Lynette I have speaking of uh, Roy and Lynette I'm wondering if they've ever felt like you know they've made it because they're in these roles Mm. um Mm. and I wonder if you at this current point in your career, do you feel like you've "quote unquote" made it, <laughs> whatever that means to you?
1: <laughs> oh, do you know what I've got? I have. To, I have to quote this. Um, I was reading one of the freelancers make theatre work reports that I did today, and um, for another piece of work I'm doing at the moment, and um, it was about the. Uh, workforce and how that's changing and shifting across um this year Mm -hmm. and uh the the title of the document is called route to recovery and I saw a statistic in there that said that of all of the so I'm a salaried worker which means that um so I'm a I'm a permanent member of staff but I'm salaried as well Mm -hmm. so um throughout this pandemic I was furloughed which means that I lost a bit of my pay, but I was salaried, so I still had some money coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, document had said quite close to the end um, of the report something about I don't want to quote exactly, so I'm uh, quote it exactly, so I'm just going to kind of um, paraphrase. But the, the uh, survey data they collected suggested that of salaried workers, of MPOs in the industry, only 2% identified as not being from a white background. Two percent. Oh my God, gosh. And I thought, oh no, they've missed a the number of No, that says 2%.
0: <laughs> you like start and zooming in th- on your th- screen. You're like, wait, wait a second. There's got exactly. to be.
1: There's got to be something wrong here, and then I just thought about what that genuinely meant in terms of myself as being one of those people, one of the mm-hmm. those people with that statistic, yeah, and what it actually equates to be um which is maybe around four thousand people um you know they're suggesting that it was two i think two hundred and two hundred thousand people that they were basing the data on, I think mm-hmm. um But so in terms of that thinking about quote unquote made it, to me, um, I I don't use those terms, but Mm -hmm. I have a roof over my head. I have a paycheck that comes in on the same day each month. Uh And that paycheck is enough to make sure that my bills get paid and I get to eat nice food. Sometimes I get to eat like desserts Okay, country (laughs) dessert you know exactly like if i want to um go to the cinema i can go to the cinema a couple of times a month and i've got a pet i've got a cat you know that i i can have a cat i can feed the cat uh-huh. i can pay the cat's vet bills is to me like an indication of well i'm okay i think that's the phrase i would use is that i'm okay because uh-huh. i think it's a sliding scale as well you can have made it you can also unmake it <laughs>
0: right yeah yeah absolutely
1: so I don't really use those terms but certainly in terms of the context of this year I'd say I'm okay mm-hmm. and that is a lot that means a lot I think
0: yeah um it, it has been beautiful talking to you and listening to you um okay, so. the final Thank you um the last thing that I would just love to know is if money wasn't an option if you had access to anything in the world and you could invent something anything that would make what you do easier what would you invent
1: <laughs> oh that's a really that's a really good question <laughs> I do you think about this a lot um, and I've been thinking about this for a few years, um, mm-hmm. but I would like to create an initiative um, that is for us, by us, led and ran by us as a collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opportunities extend beyond specifically work in theatre, but actually it crosses the sector, it goes into schools, it goes into education, yeah. it goes into <coughs> policy-making it's a big thing so yeah I mean if money wasn't an issue I think I would very possibly be on the phone to quite a few people saying do you want to do this thing for a bit and um you know come with me on this journey and let's see where it takes us (laughs) and maybe we can make the world a little bit better
0: I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule and and being so open and lovely to chat to. Yeah, and to you too. It's been so much fun. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Okay, good. It would be such a shame if you were like, this is the worst time of my life. I cannot believe I agreed to do this. Call (laughs) my agent immediately. you know um thanks so
1: much (laughs) thank you Coco
0: remember you can always join in the conversation by using the black in power hashtag which is hashtag black in power I've been Coco Brown and you can see more about what I do at heycoco.com and at the Coco Brown on socials this podcast has been produced by the Lost Kids Collective with support from Arts Council England. Sound production by Forward Motion with music from Lake Kid and Weird Today. The cover art was designed by House of JBK. I hope you've managed to have some more by now. If not, go and get some. Okay, stay safe, bye.